the human-centric podcast the podcast all about the talents of today and tomorrow presented by deutsche telekom hello everyone and heartily welcome back yet again to the human-centric podcast we want this episode to be for you about discovering what actually lies underneath the word branding Is it a cynical commercial concept or is it a warm, human-centric way of knowing what company you work for and enjoying going to work every day for that company? We are going to speak to a person I'm particularly happy about having managed to find time in the calendar of. We have the honor of having with us today Ulrich Klenke. Ulrich has actually been the chief brand officer for Deutsche Telekom for not too long, but he has a stunning track record before that of actually on the floor working through how to create pretty excellent brands in his past. He's got like 20 years of experience. Yeah, and today... We are really, really going to town on the ideas that lie behind the Deutsche Telekom brand and how that can translate also for those of us who are looking in on the Deutsche Telekom phenomenon, how it can translate until how we can work with our brands in our lives with our companies. Deutsche Telekom, guys, is actually the 23rd most successful brand on planet Earth these days. So it's no small thing we're addressing here. And some of the success recipes I found incredibly interesting, a little bit surprising, and very, very entertaining to listen to Ulrich. So have a good listen, everyone. Enjoy. Yeah, here we go. Okay, hello everyone and welcome back to the Human Centric Podcast. I'm super excited today because I'm actually sitting here alone for the first time, which is a bit of a change of scene, sadly missing Svetlana, of course. But here I am, I have a very good replacement in front of me, Ulrich Klenke. Heartly welcome to the microphone. Anne, thank you very much. Hello, everybody. Oh, we should be the one thanking you for taking the time to drop by our studio. We are super excited to have you here. And I'm also very excited about the conversation that we are trying to uh, create today. I want to discuss the idea of branding. And we want to try and dig beneath the surface of the idea of like, how does branding actually appear? And how can we see branding as a tool and a device and a phenomenon going forward and in the times that we are in and all sorts of questions to do with all of this. And you being in the studio makes so much sense, Ulrich, because of course you are indeed the, the chief brand officer of Deutsche Telekom at the moment. And you've been here for how long? For a year now, a little bit more than a year. For a year, yes. So you're in a way you're a Deutsche Telekom baby. Well, I am. Not looking like that, yes. but but I <laughs> from the inside <laughs> I feel like sometimes, and it's I'm, you still feel like it. Still, yeah, I'm still learning to run, and I'm still learning yeah, yeah, to, yeah. To, to to speak telecom and to act telecom. But yeah, I think the first time was very exciting and was very tempting because you know when I started we directly went into the corona phase, so I just had five or six weeks of um, yeah meeting the telecom people in the offices and then we directly went into the lockdown. So this was uh, a very yeah tempting and very yeah. exciting beginning. But for me, it was very positive 
Because, you know, when mm-hmm. everybody is like, okay, throwing anything into the marketplace and trying to achieve something for the clients and customers, which was happening here inside the Telecom Corporation, it's like you're just in the middle of that huge attempt yeah. and nobody is, 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 has the time or the capacity for politics. And this was very, very good. So it was yeah. in the middle of the, of the thunderstorm <laughs> and um, getting to know everybody immediately and just like getting tested if you have something to bring to the table and then you were welcome. Obviously, it was the case, so it was quite interesting. And I said to myself, I will write a book about that phase in my life because it was so weird. Oh, wow. Someday. I you, love you, where, how I you, love where you're starting us off. So I, I will. Let's co-write a book, Ulrich. Or Uli, as you're asking me to call you. Yes, please. Uli is unfair to. for not German speakers. So Uli is the easier thing. So incredibly kind of you to ask me to call you that. Uli, I will write that book with you. And I am super amazed at the point where you want to enter our conversation. So the idea of COVID actually taking away some of the corridor politics and actually, in a way, knocking us onto a center of how we can uh, just get on with the work, even though we're stuck at home, sadly. So I know I've spoken to so many other people in other organizations saying how weird it has been to start a job with like entering into a social isolation and lockdown like this. I'm very glad to hear you got something out of it. I am going to start by complimenting you a little bit. And I know that probably makes you feel awkward and weird. (laughs) But I have to start there because you are now the chief brand officer of the 23rd most successful brand on the planet. Yeah. But this is, that not, is not due to my appearance at Deutsche Telekom. Nah, but someone gave you the job now. <laughs> it's just a big <laughs> so value someone's... we have to handle, of course. So, you know, I'm responsible yeah. for that um, piece of value and for that brand. But it's teamwork at the end of the day. So the, the, big, oh, I know. the big jump we were, can... we were able to do in brand value was due to um, the Sprint um, merger in the U.S., and um, the, our 5G leadership in most of the markets. And of course, that we went quite well through the pandemic. So for that reason, it was a mixture of all these factors. But at the end of the day, it was all paying off into a higher brand value, which is round 50 billion US dollars, more or less. So there are several systems oh of, my God. Of, of calculating brand value, but we are talking about a value of roundabout in between 47 and 51 billion US Okay, so I'm going to stop us there and I'm going to take you back because what you just said is, and I think it's beautiful, is of course that behind every successful brand lies just a lot of hard work and a lot of people doing their jobs very, very well. But then at the end of the day, it constitutes, and then of course that kind of work includes things like mergers and acquisitions or all sorts of different varieties of human effort. But then say the sum again. What is the brand worth? If you, if you want to have a picture, it's like a huge, huge Spanish bacon. It's like, you know, it's one thing is how heavy and how big it is. You know, this is the value. The other one is how it tastes like. So this is the image. So, you know, like if you, if you, if you, serve, a, if you serve a brand, if you're looking at the brand and if you talk about brand value, you have to talk about brand images as well. It's not just the brand value mm. because the brand value is calculated from a financial perspective. It's like, okay, if you want to sell this brand, um, how many customers are you having? In what kind of business are you? Uh, um, do you have your efforts? What is your, uh, like, the contract base with your clients? Are you fighting for the clients every day in a, on a new base or are you in, in a, um, you have consequent services? Are you having the chance to upgrade and upsell 
into your into your mm-hmm. client base. So this all gives you at the end of the day a brand value. So mm-hmm. taking over the sprint business in the US was like okay, a huge step forward because many more people are in contracts. The touch points in the shops and online are far bigger than before. And this all results in, in, into a higher brand value. But on the other hand, it's like the brand images. The images are more affected by the work we are doing with our teams. So like good communications, good customer interactions, good customer and client centricity is paying off into images. It's like the picture of images. what you, what, yeah, it's like the images, what, what people think of when they think of your brand and like um, mm. how close you are with your brand to their needs. And it all goes into a funnel, you know, it's like, you know, a brand and then you're getting into contact with a brand and then you trust the brand and then you buy it or you're like feeling, in, in best case, you're feeling like a fan or like an ambassador for a brand. And this is like the typical funnel of images we are talking about. Yeah. We, we try to make that funnel like um, we like to interact with customers to bring them closer to the brand and like into our world of thinking and our world of program, our world of product and the way we want to interact with people. This is what brand can deliver and what we are striving for and what we are working on here at Deutsche Telekom. So here you are pointing us to the actual work of working with and building a brand. So we're going to get back yes. to that a little bit later in the program. But so we get to know you a little bit, Ulrich, or Uli, it must be an amazing job for you. It must be exciting, huh, to have this job at this time? It's a huge brand. It's, yeah. a, it's an exciting brand. Fun. The biggest telco brand in the Western world. For that reason, you know, it's an honor to serve it. So getting to know you for a second, can you just in like 10 lines or something, tell us... What's your story that led us to where you are today? Well, initially I started as a car guy. So I was in the car industry, working for Mercedes, working for Volkswagen for a long time. And I started in the industry and then changed over to the agency side, working on the more on the creative product and then got back into the industry. I've been working at Deutsche Bahn in Germany as the chief marketing officer for eight years. I've been working as CEO for Ogilvy, which is a, an advertising brand here in Germany. And then mm. I, I started to work as a, a freelance consultant for branding and brand. And then I was hired here for Deutsche Telekom to work on the brand and bring the brand further. And if you look at where the targets are, it's like, okay, good, not to lose any brand value. This is this is mm. like, like something which gives us a difference in the marketplace and which is really for the financial community, it's really important to have a high brand value because it gives mm. you a an, an difference in the marketplace and um, the reason to believe into the brand or not for the financial community as well. And on the other hand, you know, you got the client side, you got the customer side where images are so very relevant, where you try to build something which I call an unfairer Wettbewerbsvorteil, which is an unfair <laughs> competition advantage so like, you know, if, if, yeah. I, if I have something which is a creative point or the brand is like so far stronger than the competition, then you can build a business on that. And this is where I'm working mm. for. I truly believe in creative brand leadership. I truly believe that creativity can make a difference in the marketplace. And then if you have the emotional connection with clients and customers, you're far stronger as a brand, and then you can build a business on it. And you got that premium upgrade there. You can achieve higher prices, lower churn, like um, being closer to the client. And this is where brand can help. But I truly believe that the product has to be right. So a brand is nothing without the product, is nothing without the organization behind it. So just okay. having, you know, 
Okay, good. But you, yep. you, yeah, well, you want to dig deeper on one or two points. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I. So what we're getting now, which I love, is an explanation of some differentiation you're making between uh, brand value and brand images. Yes. And that I find very fascinating. You're saying the human-centric, the behavioral, the interaction, you put that in the parcel with the brand images. Of brand. course, yes. Yes. So, and then you're telling me that at the end of the day, the company that can create an irrational, a kind of an advantage that is unfair, you yeah. call it. Yeah. And that advantage will, of course, be translated into success brand, whatever that means into for any brand company. value at the end of the day of course yes but you know yes. you can grow so, you can grow like hell and be not of any value for your customer so your brand value would be high but your image would be low so it doesn't necessarily oh, that's go, scary go, yeah yeah but right. you, you, but yes. it, it, it doesn't necessarily go together you know there is so the oh right so we're still actually trying to define this beast here yeah. what is actually a brand and what is actually branding and yeah. where does the value come into it yeah. but uh, so going back to the trail i was trying to be on the idea of human behavior and human interaction human relationship actually lying at the heart of what you call brand images or imaging and when we create that irrational advantage yeah that's because of emotions Of course. So if I was the customer now, if we make it really simple, I'm the customer of Deutsche Telekom and I love, 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 irrationally even, the brand. Yeah. I will prefer you over any other competitor, yes. even though you're more expensive even. Then what have you done? What has happened? <laughs> well, ideal-wise, you know, you had many contacts with the brand, like in the product, like in the shop, like in a personal interaction, like in a TV spot, wherever. You know, all along that chain of interactions, you have a positive experience. And you're getting closer to the brand because, you know, you can rely on it, that the product is mm. good, that it's got a good um, a value proposition, though, you know, you don't feel cheated. You know, you don't feel mm. like you're paying too much. Like, you oh, know, yeah. in premium products, you know, you pay more, of course, because you get more. So, but are you getting more product? Not necessarily. It's like talking about sneaker shoes, you know, like it's yeah. all a sneaker, but some of them are $20, the other ones are $200. So where's the difference? The difference is in branding, difference might be in the product, but it's a lot more in, in the like what you buy as a brand, what you buy as an expression of yourself. You buy into a peer group, you buy into a, a system, you buy into a pop culture, you buy in whatever. And this makes a difference. Mm. And, it's in, and you have many aspects where you can lead a brand to, where you can do an offering With the brand, I always say a brand is the product above the product and you can design it, you can work with it, you can neglect it, you can invest into it. It's like a vivid thing which is appealing to your customers ideal-wise and adds something. It's like adds a spirit, adds like a premium aspect, adds um, more trust, adds entertainment and a vivid experience. So it's got mm. many different kinds of possibilities. And when you're all towing into the same direction and having the same idea in mind, then it's easy mm. to have a huge brand concert inside an organization because the people have to experience the product in every interaction. And this can be in the app. This can be in a personal interaction with a call center client. This can be in a shop when you like have an exchange with somebody working for the brand, representing the brand very intensively in that moment. Or when our CEO is having having a speech at a conference, whatever. So when everybody knows the brand and has inhaled it and knows where we are going mm. to and what our topics are, what our communication fields are, 
my job is to organize all that orchestration and all that activities inside the Deutsche Telekom in order to give you as my client and I'm, well, you know, honey, after this conversation, you will be our client till the end of your life. <laughs> However, but yes, to give sir. you that sir, positive... Yes, to give you that positive experience, you know, like being innovative, being exciting, being lovely, being like empathetic, being mm. like at your side, understanding you, your needs and giving you with our products a better life at the end of the day. So this is Fantastic. my job. Thank you. And that of my colleagues all across the place, globally in the US, in the Netcos, in Germany, wherever, we are all representing the same brand. So the brand Hallelujah. is like... You cannot divide a brand. It's the same brand all over the place, ideal-wise. Thank you. Thank you, Ulrich. Thank you so much. Oh, Jesus, I this was Ulrich. a long Uli. speech. I, I, I don't this know was how, a long one. How many people did we lose doing that speech <laughs> on the podcast? <laughs> I can well, tell. Uh, I take it as my personal responsibility to try and kind of keep the red thread and keep us going through something. And you Let's mentioned try. so many rich things. I want to make four podcast episodes with you right now. But at the end of the day, here's an impression for you. Hmm. It feels to me, Uli, like you are some kind of composer, nearly, at the top of actually a lot of schools of thought and a lot of different phenomenons that have to interact in order to both keep your brand intact and to keep it competitive and moving forward. Yeah. Well, you get an internal um, and an external perspective on that. And um, yes. des design, is for, design, for example, is a very, very strong influencer. Because, you know, when you have a common design all over the place, the common optical visual like platform everything happens in communications and interaction with the customer and if that one's right you know it's half of the battle half of the battle won when really? you have the same really? graphical yeah. interaction with the clients all over the place that's very very interesting and to the point so here's the thing of course if we take the conversation up a couple of floors on the elevator yeah you know the phenomenon branding as such I mean, for those of us who have lived a couple of decades by now, back in the 90s and the nought noughts, of course, it was, it had a kind of semi-weird twang to it, branding. And I want to get back to it with you. Because on the one hand, it's a bit kind of difficult to understand what you actually see when you see the phenomenon branding sometimes. Like, is it a cynical, a kind of manipulative way to try and and fool people to create loyalty? Or is there something warmer, something deeper, something true and real actually going on underneath? And true story, the Deutsche Telekom is one of those companies. Not every company I go to has this, but Deutsche Telekom really gives me the feeling that there is such a thing as internal, real, true, observable pride and investment in the brand. So, you know, and if we go politically radical for a second, there's even been people who have been, of course, wildly critical of brands and super brands on the planet and all of this, mm. like, you know, if you look at it from Barbara Ehrenreich side, for instance, mm. she even wrote a book about it, didn't she? So the idea of logo versus no logo, it's a fascinating one. You bring me back to the graphic side of branding, because when I was doing research for today... You know, when you start Googling branding, hmm. the very first things that comes up is like the logo or the colors you've chosen. So yeah. the idea of the visuals. So tell me a little bit about that. So you're saying that's half the job to create it's, a good it's, brand is the visuals? I'd say, I'd say it's half the job. It's very, very important to have your corporate design in order. We just opened that up. Well, we, we invented hmm. something which is liquid. 
because we thought that a design must bring three things together. So it's like the content, the container, and the context. So it's like it all oh. has to be, yeah, it all has to fit in the situ situation when you as a client see that. The content means, okay, what is my message? So it's like, mm. um, what do I want to transport via a TV spot or a radio spot or a piece of digital interaction or whatever? So it's the container. It's like the platform. I'm serving it to you. It's like, okay, it's the ad or is it the, the out-of-home poster where I got the possibility to send you something? And it's the context. Like, okay, it's like the surrounding on the website. It's like in the app. What did you see before and afterwards? And you all can create on that. So the, the, the design mm. we, are, we are using must bring these three things together in the ideal way to have an ideal impact on you or have an, a wonderful offering for our customers and clients. And therefore, we invented something which is really, really flexible and has more an idea than giving out orders because this is 80s and 90s. Like, you have to put the Mercedes logo on the right downside of the of the <laughs> app. So that doesn't exist anymore because, you know, like having an app, you know, you don't have a right downway side of an ad. So it's like interacting with the design system must be very, very flexible and giving our colleagues around the globe who are in charge of creating advertising or marketing communications giving them the chance to really put our brand into the right place and give it like um, bring together these three factors. So it's like the context, um, the container and the content. So and this is wow. like um, the design we are looking into and make, we want to make it flexible. And you have to like have in mind that the sentiment of the people is changing faster than the in ancient times. And it's everything while the web is far more transparent. So cheating your clients is over. Because they can check your prices, they can check your quality, they can immediately call for yeah. help, they, you know, they can give you bad notes and feedback websites and so on. So it's like in the old times where you just did your advertising, some were believing it, some didn't, you know, you didn't have really the proof of concept, the proof of product. This is all over because people are so very transparent now. They got all the information at the place. So what you need to do is to have an alignment between what you're doing and what you're saying mm. And your advertising as well. So advertising is not about cheating anymore. It's about to deliver you the right information at the right time into your sentiment that you truly believe you have something which is like a partnership, which is something where you're, under, mm -hmm. where you're getting under, understood. And this is like the empathetic side of the brand. And this is something where we can still learn from competition, getting better as a system, as an industry, because I think we are half the way there and we still have to deliver more on that, like being closer yeah. to our clients, being more um, using technology and digital abilities to get closer to the people. And especially in the corona times now, where you know one day you got a lockdown, next time it's over. It's sunny and your kids coming home from school, everything is good and suddenly the school is locking down and you're at mm. home and you got a different kind of situation. So the life situations of the people are changing in that time so fast and you have to take care of that. You have to understand them and take them where they are in kind of what kind of mood they are. And then you can react as a brand. And if you deliver on that, you will be in the middle of their lives. They're going to trust you. They're going to believe in yeah. you and they're going to make business with you. And I think this is the most important thing. So being able to react on people's situations individually, as individual as possible. Fantastic. So empathy, yep. compassion, mm -hmm. compassion even for the customer. Yeah. 
that's at the heart of the human centricity you're yeah, talking about. Yeah, but it's using here. technology for wanna... it. I need to. I need to know when you're calling me. I need to know where you're from, what your mood is, and what your situation is like. You know, it's like the the, yeah. the interaction is too short for learning that. I have to use make use of technology to understand what your problem is as fast as possible. So that's the big change, isn't it? We It can no longer be about transaction. It has to be about relationship. Yeah. It's not about campaigning so, anymore. It's about, it's like nah. a constant stream of interaction. And the flexibility you're mentioning, which is wildly fascinating because it's like, it has to happen every day, all day. And it has to be super flexible. The phenomenon now of keeping up your brand yeah. and making sure it grows. So if I'm a Deutsche Telekom colleague or comrade out there now listening into the podcast, if you were to advise me, how can I personally make sure that I help the brand be intact and help it grow? Yeah. What would you like to say to me? I can't tell you the secrets because I know that people from the outside are listening to this podcast as well. So we, <laughs> so we got, so we got, our, we got our, our own, our, uh, our own internal streaming fields approach, which means like, okay, okay, good. We are talking about the same thing in the same kind of way all the time when we're doing it. So it's like yeah. we, we started a project which is called Kraftwerk Kommunikation or Trinity. And this is something where we try to align all the communication people and all the salespeople into the same direction for some markets. So this is something where we, um, so if you have a question, so please approach us and we're going to help you. Um, but I think, <laughs> uh, but, um, I think one of the most important things is that we all understand the brand in the same way. So we got that online um, courses and uh, we just installed the new brand design, the liquid brand design. And if everybody would follow us on using the liquid brand design, it's half the match. So the other, yeah. the other, <laughs> okay, yeah, thank you. The other side you're talking about is the empathetic side or the customer relations side. Mm. And here we need to learn as an organization how to use technology better to understand where our clients are. So we right now have, yeah. have the ability not to, well, to use social media data every day and see how is interaction going like, how is the mood of the people, what do they want to talk about? You know, we see topics trending every day. So it can be that someday it's like the weather is good or politics are bad or whatever, you know, or the football match went well last night or not. I know in Norway you're not into footballs that much, but however... <laughs> But how dare you? It's, yeah, it's for it's for Germany. It's important, you know, and you feel like the sentiment of the I people know. can be up can be up and down, and like using technology. I am aware to, of your. What? I'm aware of your football keeper, that Manuel Neuer. Yeah. Man, why is, yeah, why he's is a that? huge. Oh, what a talent! What a talent! You man. like him? Yeah. Oh God, I do. He's. Oh. A, um, I'm not very much into football, but my husband is. So we keep. So I, you know, there every now and then I'll be sitting beside him by the television. Uh, okay, good. So, so we are Manuel Neuer's shirt sponsor. So maybe there's an opportunity yeah. for both of you oh, to meet him someday. Yes, I'm getting closer to Manuel. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. Darling, so we've stopped for a second here, and the track that I want to get back on is the idea of you in the middle of all this, Uri. Yeah. So, because when I was prepping with you, you actually asked a really, really interesting question that made me go home and think when we were talking yesterday briefly. And you said, so what is this conversation going to be like? Is it going to be like, like completely esoteric or are we talking commercially or are we talking... And I so loved that question and I so went home last night kind of going who what kind of podcast are we actually making and where do we come from and I think the answer Uli is that this podcast tries to come from all different kinds of schools of thought yeah 
And what we're trying to do is bringing the idea of human centricity to us humans when we are at work. Because when a business tries to go about its business, there'll always be humans doing that business. Mm. So it's wildly commercial and yet still wildly humanistic in a mm. way. So that's the answer to your question. But my question for you, because I sense in the center of you, there's some sort of idealism nearly. I mean, I get it. You have this commercial background and you have all of this like track record from really working your way, I must say, very impressively so, through industries and getting a bigger picture as you've, as you've gone along. I wish you can see him now, guys. His non-verbals are amazing. <laughs> but Uli, there is an idealist in here somewhere. Am I right? No. I'm not. Okay, I'm, I'm just. I'm no, wrong. No, no, oh, dear. I'm not an idealist. Uh, I do it for money. I do it for the money, okay. quite clearly. And a company is doing it for the money as well. But we have a, you know, like, I love to work with what we call people's brands or Volksmarken. Because these big brands, they do something with the society and they earn the trust of, especially the German society, but I think it's the same in every nation, where a brand is like taking over responsibility for the society and in the society. And I think I love my job so very much because I can shape something which takes over responsibility. Very interesting. Okay. So like, for example, in the, in the Corona times. So when we went out and said, okay, well, we are here for you that you can be in touch with each other and can be there for you as well. I think this made me really proud because Deutsche Telekom was able to connect the people in the pandemic times when there was no connection possible. So the digital connection was taking over real physical connections and which made really something with the lives of the people and we could help in so many ways. And this is something which is like, you call it idealistic or you call it like, okay, good, this is for a higher purpose or whatever. For us as at Deutsche Telekom, it's just the normal work because, you know, like we were there before and the purpose was there before, but now it was like under a stress test and it won the stress test. And for that reason, made the entire organization, entire telecommerce, very, very proud because everybody was seeing how important they are for the society the first time. And it was not mm. just Germany, it was the in, same in the US, it was same in Greece, we, yeah. we had in Croatia and we had in all the netcos like in Poland and so on. We had that, we were very, very fast. And because our purpose was already done, so we already knew where to go to, and we had the same idea in mind. And I think having such a high brand reputation inside the organization as well, every telecomer is branding her or himself proudly with a magenta color. So it's all like, you know, we are going out because we got the same understanding of what we're doing, and we know that we are excellent in what we are doing, and we know that we can take over responsibility for the entire nation and entire society. And I think this is really something which drives brand value because the analysts in the financial market, they also see, oh, okay, good, this is a business and there are some companies, this is why we are rising, you know, in our brand value and in the stock market price as well now, because they see that we are coping better with the situation that other companies do. So there's a difference mm. and the difference is culture. It's like the way of working, how we interact with each other and the way of how we understand our customers and clients more every day. And this is the reason why the board of management and the players there, like Tim, like Srini, like Dominique and Mike, and they all took over that ideal of, okay, let's be customer-centric. Let's put everything to the front line. Let's try to understand our customers and clients. Let's stay at their side and turn them into fans and ambassadors. That means that you are very loyal and you are very satisfied. 
So, and these are the this two. Is, these are the two dimensions. Oh, so uh, okay, I love that. So, being very, very loyal and very satisfied. That yeah. sounds like a love relationship right there. <laughs> it it's sounds just, like yeah, of that's course. a relationship I would stay in. And you can, so, you can, you can calculate you that again. via market research. So it's five or 6% right now are extremely um, confident and satisfied and loyal of our customers. Yeah. So there's this, a lot of, 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 of room for improvement. I did some work together. This is just geeking out with you now, but I did some work together with the Norwegian version of Sachi and Sachi a couple of years back. And they started talking about something they called love marks. Yeah. So there's a trademark and then there's a love mark. And it, it sounds like it's, you're describing something similar. Am I right? That's true, but it's the love brand theory so that people are loving brands. But I think it, it's yeah. not jumping far enough because it's just talking about advertising communications. So the theory is that you can turn a brand into a love brand via communications and advertising. And I doubt that. I don't believe in it because I believe in that okay. every interaction has to be like in line and has to be very dominant and persuading that people are loving a brand. If you just have good communications and you got a, a shitty call center or you got a shitty experience in the IKEA store, you will yes. never be like, you, you know, you will not love the brand. There are some brands which manage to be love brands without any interaction with the customers. Ferrari is one. Yes. Have you ever driven a Ferrari? No. Me no. neither. Don't think Do, I ever will. But no. there are many people who love Ferraris, of course, <laughs> but they don't have any interaction with the well. brand. So, you know, is that yeah, a love yeah, brand? Yeah, of yeah. course, good. But it's all like communications. It's like um, history and what the brand is standing for and so on. So this is like something where you have a love brand. But whenever you go into like a service field where we are a service industry, you know, it's really it's not possible to just create a brand without that personal interaction and being really persuasive, no, and, sure. persuasive and strong in customer interaction as well. So you're saying there's a yes and, there's a missing link. So you get the advertising right and you get the whatever right to try and create the customer the love, experience, like the fairness of the yes. offer. It's like the people feel if the aims of your company and of the corporation you're working yeah. for are right or not. Well, they feel it. You know, like yeah. having all information transparent on the web leads to that people are comparing and especially young people talking about Generation Set, they want to know where your aims and targets and goals for your companies are. So are you sustainable? Do you treat your people right? Are you using like... Gender are you balance. Gender balance. Are you trying to bring CO2 emissions down? Are you sourcing fairly? Are you um, treating people well? Is there a generation contract? So are you on short term or long term? And this is getting more and more important. If you're not true to yourself, if your company targets and your communication targets and your customer interaction product targets are not in line, people suddenly feel that. And it's like you in Norway, you have that electromobility thing. And this is, a, mm. you know, it's like very, very interesting because it's like in telecommunications, there was a new technology being invented and, and going into the society. And the first step into the society is always like the inventors, the innovators, and then the early adopters. And you have to be true to that people. If you are not, you will not come to huge volumes in the marketplace. So for that reason, the true inventors like Tesla, they were the first ones to really to get into the marketplace because they were like... Everybody believed that Elon Musk wants to achieve something. 
You know, he wants to, he doesn't want and, to save uh, them, but he wants to fly to the Saturn or to the moon, whatever. This must be a creative person. I truly believe that he's got the right technology for me. Yeah, and so Ulrich uh, might be ahead of some of you listeners here if you're not that familiar with how Norway has purchased cars in the last decade, but we have gone berserk about the Tesla. So there might be several reasons for that, but we are actually then quite far ahead on the electrical car usage in the world, which is, of course, a delight to be part of that. You, my friend, are saying so many valuable things. Right now, I feel like I'm a bit of a farmer and I have to go back over everything you've kind of sowed out there on the field and I'm trying to harvest just a little bit. Yeah. We are also getting to the close of our conversation. I think we could <laughs> probably go on for a couple yeah, of hours, days. darling. I yeah. would love to. So if I try to harvest huh, just a little bit of everything mm. we've just been through, one, I love, love, love this one. Your direct answer to me when I ask you, are you an idealist? And you're going, no, 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 no. I'm doing it for the money. And so is Deutsche Telekom. And then you take us from there into a landscape where you actually describe the personal pride and the personal, probably quite profound experience of taking Deutsche Telekom through the COVID experience and the crisis that it was. And you says that it kind of, it stood the test of something that makes you love what you do for a living. Yeah. So there's a commerciality to it. And have no fear, oh, listeners out there, the human-centric podcast is a deeply commercial animal. We will always be seeking, because commerciality, of course, is how any business should run. It's how, that's what we're doing here. We're creating and we're creating productivity. But at the end of the day, the creation and the value of both brands and products and services and everything go up once people love what they do. Yeah. Funny situation when I was introduced to some people um, here in, in Deutsche Telekom, I introduced myself as the chief love officer because I believe that, oh the, that the heart of the brand must be so positive that people fall in love with the brand. We can like work into that. So we can work into okay, that with a perfect and it. seamless experience with like very emotional connection with like finding the right topics, like following the right business strategy. So this is our opportunity, of course. This is what wow. people are missing. So can I, can I call you that? Can I call you that moving no, forward? No, it was just it, a joke and it was long ago. <laughs> Darn it. I yeah. tried. Um, well, okay. So if we try to answer for ourselves, at the, if we're trying to come to some kind of ending here, Friedrich, hmm. Like, so my jury has been kind of out and I, I'm still a little bit wondrous of what is it that I am seeing when I see someone being really good at branding. Mm. You, I have some bad news for you, by the way, because you've also now answered. You said you didn't want to share the secrets of Deutsche Telekom because it's being shown to the outside world. But in the middle of what you just said to me, you were talking about how people showed up every day at work and made sure their customers had the best experience. Mm. And that, indeed, is the secret to creating a brand that stands the test of time, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, not only. I think, well, okay. um, well, talking about brand leadership in itself, it's like adding creativity and difference to the company. It's like a brand has two functions, two basic functions. One is orientation, one is differentiation. Orientation means... Everybody in the company and outside the company giving these people the same picture and the same ideal, the same strategy, the same vision about the brand. So this is like, you know, where is that brand heading yeah. to? What does it stand for? What is the character? What is it? What is it standing for? What is important for this brand? Like, you know, is it a cheap brand or is it an expensive brand? Is it premium? Is it like open or closed? Um, there's some very close brands like Louis Vuitton. You won't find any person mm. like 
accept of Virgil Abloh representing the brand. You know, it's very exquisite. It's very exclusive. It's very attractive. It's very, very successful. Servicing brands like must be open, must be empathetic, must be very relationable, must be like offering a, a, Humble. a, a, a humble, humbleness, a very direct connection and so on. So, but this is orientation. The other piece is differentiation. So what are you not? What are you not standing for? Why are you not like exchangeable with the competition? What is your positive differences? What are you fighting against? For example, we as a brand, Deutsche Telekom, we are fighting against hate speech because we know that, you know, when you connect people digitally to each other, there comes up like bad things as well. And we are fighting them. We're trying to fight hate speech. So this is something we are against. Mm. Um, always the difference mm. against the competition where we, we got the better networks, they got the worst network, we got the better service, they got worse service. So brand helps you like to be with color. So we are magenta, the other ones are blue or red. So this is differentiation. Mm -hmm. So brand gives you orientation, differentiation. If, and if you think in these like columns, you know, it's quite easy at the end of the day to define what we are working on. And to work on that difference against others, like I think creativity can really add something. I truly believe when my people and when my team, when they work in um, on communication assets, on advertising, on promotions, on customer communications, we need to be creative to the max because this is mm. a difference the others cannot follow. It's unfair to them. And this is, well, um, if, mm. if, if at the end of the day, what is my job is like to add something to the brand which is more creative than anybody else can do which is like giving us the unfair competition advantage, like work into something which is really a solitaire, which is like really a monolith in the marketplace, which is like adorable and is a difference against the competition. So this is at the end of the day, what I'm working on every single day, hopefully. Fantastic. Fantastic. Whew. That sounds like we might find ourselves an ending here. No, there's more. There's okay. more. There's more? You want yeah, to yeah, say more? I, I, yes, I need to, there I, is more. I, I need to we, tell you something. We should do another episode, darling. It's so, no, no, okay, we, can, we can do another one. But one thing is, it's, it's quite sad because I had a role model who's, from my point of view, the best CMO in the world. It's Fernando Machado from Burger King. And um, if you're looking at the brand and how he led the brand in the past years and how I think he was in six or seven creative awards, he was client of the year at the same time. So it was like, he's oh, you're really, kidding me. he's a creative monster. And I really would like to achieve what he did. He's really so good in what he's doing, but he changed jobs now. He went uh, into uh -oh. in, into the gaming scene to Activision and took over the CMO job there. So we will not find him in the same like advertising category anymore. He's gaining more digital yeah. and more underground. For that reason, the place is open. So maybe, um, yeah, if I have an aim or a goal, I would like to like achieve what he did with Burger King. Like so now being oh. so such a creative brand and such a like just everything. The Rotten Burger. Have you seen that? Well, you got that. I have not. Tell our listeners what so it is. So there's like, they did an ad, a piece of advertising where they just filmed a burger rotting. It got worse and worse and darker and darker with all that bacteria and everything on it. And they took it as an example that there's no um, preservatives in the meat or in the product, that it's all natural, it's all good. But they had yeah. that negative image and it was so 
daring to use that negative image because in that industry, everybody said, you cannot show a rotten burger, for God's sake. And he put the rotten <laughs> burger in every country on every billboard across this globe <laughs> to prove that, wow. you know, like um, he, he burned an, an entire Burger King shop to prove that roasting is the better way. He found very creative ways wow. to lead That's the brand around the globe. And um, he's an, a monster manager in advertising. And it's like, it's a really a role model. If I would choose one, I would choose him. But he changed Did you positions ever meet him? now. Um, well, um, we have loose contact, but well, unfortunately, I didn't have the chance to. He's, I think he's, he's located uh, in, in the US. He's South American from origin. So what I know about him is very interesting. I got his contact detail and I wanted to write him for a long time, but... Okay, maybe I do someday when he arrived in his new job, maybe I get yeah. contact with I do so, so appreciate and find it so game-changing when we manage to find role models like that. Because if someone else can do it, then we can kind of thing. And a lot yeah. of creative theory actually rests on that, doesn't it? But that is food for another dish that I hope yeah. we can make together someday. You I'd like do. to actually challenge you and invite you back and talk about creativity because I hear it's at the core of so much of what you do and it'd be really interesting to dig more in there. Breaking the But rules, I think we, very interesting. Breaking it's, the rules, disruption. It's against what you're doing as a brand leader because you, know, you try to yeah. find consistency, you try to find the same idea at every place, but finding the right creative is like breaking rules many times. So it's like um, not difficult to bring these together and not easy to be a manager for your people because your team yeah. is either following rules or breaking them. But following and breaking rules at the same time is really different in the head. So Guys, to, consider to this that. to be... This, I please, please, I hope to hire forces that this could be the teaser for our next episode together, Uli. Let's I would this. love to have you back. The last thing I just want to harvest at the very end of our little chat is the what you said about Generation Z and about their desires what they demand from a brand these mm -hmm. days. And that also leaves me with a kind of, there's hope somehow for me in that the customers have gained so much power now that they can kind of influence and, and decide on and try to understand and, and correct even how a company goes about their business. Yeah. It, it's uh, like the, the, this generation, the Gen Z was just in the middle of like reinventing the system. It's like, you know, Fridays for Futures mm. and they've gotten strong and so on and then caught by the corona crisis now, fortunately. By the COVID, yeah. And, and Let's we, make sure they get back out there, huh? Yeah, this is going to be the next Deutsche Telekom campaign. So we are getting at their side and trying to help them and trying to inspire them because we truly believe that if you've got a passion, you've got a future. So when you stand for something, people will follow you and you will find somebody else to create something which is individual and stronger than the status quo. So for that reason, this will be our next campaign. It will be out mid of May and it will be hopefully very, very good. Oh, good luck with that. Thank so you. here lies the conversation of Ulrich and Hannah on this fine April day. Thank you so, so much for coming to the studio and thank you so, so much for all your insights. It's felt a bit like a, a kind of masterclass in branding and brand understanding. Incredibly interesting. No, it's I not. Do do Honey, it's, it's, it's not. It's not magic. It's just work. It's really. It's like. It's, it's like okay. processes. It's like uh, going to the business every day, talk to the people, and try to achieve something. It's not the mega creative yeah. super mind sitting in a room, coming out having the glorious idea. These days are over. No, no, no. It's teamwork. Am I it's like it's hard work for my people every day, and us trying to steer that thing in the right direction. 
Am I, though, allowed to tell you, sir, that it seems like you're pretty good at what you do for a living? <laughs> well, I try to. <laughs> I try to. I try to. And um, as I said before, it's team play. And I just try to be a good trainer person. I try to steer in the right direction together with my peers and people. Fantastic. Thank you so, so much for coming in today. And that, ladies and gentlemen, was a little bit of an attempt at lifting the lid and looking beneath the surface into this 23rd most successful brand story on the planet right now. And the head chief brand officer, not chief love officer, sadly, Ulrich Klenke. Thank you very much, Ulrich. Thank you. Thank you very much for the conversation. And I love to come back and then we dig deeper into that breaking the rules thing. It's happening. All good. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay. Danke. To find out the deeper meaning of talent and its human aspects in business environments, subscribe to the Human Centric Podcast and stay tuned.